This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to this week's MTG Cabal cast. You've got me here, we've got Reptar, and we actually have a guest from the Cabal. Uh, Larry here to help us with some expertise because today we're going to cover graded cards. That's something we said we were going to touch on. And basically, Larry here is great because he's in the coin industry, which is a very mature graded market. So he's going to help provide some perspective from that angle that we might not necessarily see here in Magic. Yep. So with that, let's go ahead and get started. Yep. So uh, we're going to break this down into three parts to make it pretty easy to digest because this is going to be some dense information. And part one is going to be pretty light. It's some stuff we already talked about. And the first one we wanted to go over again is why would you get a magic card graded? And the primary reasons for that is going to be authenticity of some of these 93, 94 cards that you're just not seeing anymore. You don't need it to hit an 8 or a 9. You just want to make sure that it's the real deal because it's going to hold value. It's always going to be a legitimate Magic the Gathering card. You know, you don't care about the resale value right now. You just want it for the future. Beyond that, it's it does become a bit of a collector's piece and now you enter an entirely new market with this card. And one of the things we wanted to know is, is this something that parallels other markets? So, uh, Larry, in your experience in the coin market, is grading for authenticity something that usually happens regardless of outcome? Well, I mean, in coins, it's not necessarily about authenticity for grading because coins are difficult to counterfeit due to the production methods involved. Um, you know, so for the most part, with grading in coins, it's more about adding liquidity to the coin itself. As a general rule of hands, you know, you take a coin and let's say, like what I do, for example, is I buy coins on eBay at auction. Say I pay like 50 bucks for a coin. Mm -hmm. but because the, it's not professionally graded, I can turn around, pay 25 bucks to have professionally graded, and sell it for like $250, $300 if it gets the grade I expect it to get. Okay. So it's all about That's... liquidity at the price points that you want for your product, assuming that the graders agree with you. So if you can grade coins yourself, there's a lot of money to be made in just buying raw coins and submitting them for grading. Okay. So it's not, yeah. Huh. That's not... interesting because it's almost the opposite in magic. It's Grading makes it illiquid. Yeah. Um, so why is it just what makes it so much more liquid? Is it just that's where the market is? Is we want graded stuff, and that's you know I I think you'd mentioned in the coin world if you break out a five thousand dollar coin and it's not graded that raises eyebrows. Whereas in Magic, I mean you'll see people shuffling lotuses and bridging them still, and nobody bats right. an eye. Well, I mean I think it's the fact that you've got you know, the coin graders, they've been in business for over 30 years. Uh, since, like, 86 was the first one that came around in the summer of 86, PCGS, who is uh, the forefront of the market. Um, they, 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 you know, 30, 32 years of grading coins. At this point, the market is so mature that if you have a high-end coin 
and it's raw, and it's not graded. There's more questions as to why is it raw. The expectation is now that it's graded. There's a lot of little things that can, you know, a couple of hairlines on a coin can take it from like a, a 66 grade to a 62 grade, which can be, in some some cases, that's maybe like a $5 difference. There's other cases where a 66 is an extreme rarity, mm -hmm. uh, and that's like a, a $10,000 coin. Versus like a, a $400 coin. Wow. So there's a lot of questions and you lose a lot of liquidity when you don't have it in the holder, especially with high-end pieces like that. Yeah. And we know the story about the the Alpha Lotus, the 9.5 that went, that made that card, you know, just scream off the shelves when it hit the 9.5 for 80 plus thousand. It just made turned yeah. that card into straight gas, you know. That's a card that I mean now it's in the hands of a collector. It's never going to move, but that card was graded to move and and it did. So it's interesting to see some parallels on extremely high end uh, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. That so in coins it sounds like it's generally speaking a good idea to uh, grade your coins, but what happens if you know you buy something raw and it is in a worse condition? than you expected or you you purposely buy it in a in a bad condition can grading it still be a good idea um certain series yes the, the main series i focus on not really but there's a lot of series that are very heavily counterfeited like say trade dollars mm -hmm. um they actually circulated uh in the the far east so they were counter stamped and sometimes people fake the counter stamps and there's all kinds of crazy stuff that happens. So in that kind of case, with those series, uh, yes, that the grading proves it's authentic. If you have a key date that's heavily counterfeited, like a 1916 day Mercury dime, it definitely helps to have it in a holder versus selling it raw. But as a general rule of hand, with with the the common stuff, you don't want it holdered unless it's going to be, unless it's going to add value to the coin versus over like what you paid for it. Mm -hmm. So generally speaking, I don't send anything in for grading unless I think it's worth at least $150. Okay. So. And is that kind of a common practice in the industry? Uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of dealers are actually higher than that. They, um, I, I kind of pick at the lower end of the market and occasionally dip my heels into the higher end. But for the most part, what I do is I operate in that niche below where dealers operate yeah and generally i think it's like a 250 300 coin they're aiming for to uh to send it in for grading because grading isn't cheap i mean for coins you're going to look at about 30 bucks a coin and you got to wait yeah. about a month and a half minimum wow. so it gets oh, expensive wow. yeah it gets, yeah. yeah real expensive real fast i mean i just sent in uh i think i sent in 120 coins i'm not mm. expecting to get them back till february and i'm expecting Good to pay boy. like yeah, that's a bulk submission, so that's a little cheaper. Okay. Even yeah. then, I'm still looking at paying about fourteen hundred to fifteen hundred in grading fees. Wow. That, yeah. Yeah. One of the things I don't actually know about the about coin grading as a whole is is it machine graded or is it still human graded or is it there a mix? There's been they've tried to have uh, companies that use computers to grade. Uh, there was one called AccuGrade about fifteen years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, did all right. But at the end of the day, there's just too many variables in a coin for a computer to really look at and okay. determine a grade from. It's not like a card, a piece of cardboard where you can see, you know, you have black, you look for white chips, yeah. hairlines, scuffs. It's much harder to grade a coin. It's much more, you know, th there's a saying in the coin business that grading is, is an art. It's not a science. So it's hard to take an art and teach a computer 
an R. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, the the coins that are generally graded in terms of time period of production, what is kind of the upper bound on that? What is the the newest set of coins that you would see? Um, the the newest set of grades. Not like, grades necessarily. Like what but... year would be the most recent stuff? Oh, like... people people send grade like people send stuff in this brand new. Uh, you know. Just to use an example here, like American Silver Eagles are very common to see graded. People are chasing the perfect grade of MS-70. Uh, and basically what you'll have people do is they buy monster boxes of American Silver Eagles. Yep. A Silver Eagle is a one ounce of silver. So they'll buy a thousand of these things, send the whole thing to the grading company. Just Lord. hoping it is 70? Yeah, they send them all in. And basically they, they make money on the 70s. They break even on the 69s. And they lose money on everything else. Wow. And... Wow. So, yeah. are they, would they pop cases for anything less than a sixty-nine, or did they just have to leave it? They, they usually those dudes they're sending like ten, twenty, thirty thousand silver eagles in at one time. So all they're really concerned about is just moving it through as fast as they can. Okay. And they just yeah they just milk the seventies and the rest of it just gets dumped basically at wholesale prices. Yeah. And they're, wow. They're paying a lot less for grading than a guy like me and stuff. They'll pay like three, four, or five bucks a coin for grading. That, so it's cheaper yeah. for them. No, definitely. And that sounds pretty similar to the guys who just send in looking for a 9 or a 9.5, like trying to create the upper bound on that market in terms of population of high end yeah. cards. Regard almost Some of them seem to grade regardless of time period within the game of Magic. Some people will stick to older cards and will never see a reprint, whether because it's on the reserve list or because it's something special, like a masterpiece, which we've seen here and there. But Yeah, but I can't imagine people sending in a overgrown tomb from RTRTR saying, hey, look at this, I got a... I've got 10,000. Who sent this in? Who decided it was a good idea to send in foil decree of silence? Yeah. Who gets that graded? That just doesn't happen. I can't. I can't imagine a market where like that's someone would send in a thousand of those. Like that's crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. it 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 seems like there's an interesting dichotomy in the, the coin market in regards to what gets sent in, and basically basically being a lot of the specialty uh, coins, short run stuff, and what gets sent in for Magic in regards to the modern era of cards, where we've seen cards like Snapcaster Mage and Cavern of Souls non foil get graded. But then you also have short run stuff, like I mentioned, the masterpieces that are graded. And I believe shortly after the Mythic Planeswalker boxes were graded, we saw some of them, some of those go up on eBay, yep. graded nine fives, between seven and yep. nine five out of the box. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the the thing about the coin business is it's very uh, registry driven. Okay. So. You know, there's dudes who, you know, they have their Silver Eagle registries and they want their new Silver Eagle first thing in the year. Mm -hmm. So they'll pay, like, you'll, you'll see the prices cascade down throughout the year. Because these dudes, they, they want to be the first one to get the, the MS-70 in their set for that year and so on and so forth. There's a lot of competition in coins. Wow. Uh, a lot of egos and, and too much money, to be honest. Fair. You know? Are these... it's, just, it's just a dangerous recipe. You know, you put all that together yeah. and it gets a little crazy sometimes. Are those guys, yeah. like the big fish in that market, guys who are building a collection or are they just looking to churn? Like, I, I, Some of those guys who are looking for the 70, I assume, are looking to churn to the guys who are collecting the 70 at the beginning of the year. But Well, I, yeah, I mean, it's hit and miss. You know, so some guys are 
churners and summer collectors. It's it's a little all over the map in Queens because it's a much bigger market with grading. Yeah. You know? Like, I forget offhand, but PCGS, I think they've graded something like 30 million Queens. Wow, Oof. that's insane. Yeah. 40 that's million insane. now, actually? Might be 40 million. I should check wow. that real quick. It's a lot, though. Yeah. Yeah. Now, while you're looking at that, though, when you are looking to churn out, when you pick something up that has a grade, do you have an out immediately, or do you know that once you get the grade on it, somebody's going to bite? Um, so, uh, usually, once I know the grade, I have a good idea of where to go from there. Okay. But it's not like... it's. It depends, you know? Sometimes, if I can't get the price I want for it, uh, I'll just keep it because like a lot of what I do is actually driven by uh, toning tarnish on the coin. I get nice premiums for tarnish, basically. So if I can't get the price I want, I'll sometimes just keep it. Okay. Oh, okay, fair. Yeah. So it's... and that's that's how I build my personal collection. I I always just, I mean, I don't my profits pay for my collection basically. Yeah. Okay. So it's not about you for you. It's not about having the out ahead of time. It depends on what it comes back from the grading. So this lot that you sent in and you're going to get back in February, they could go out to a number of different sources based on the grades that come back on those. I'm, I'm say that again. So the coins that you sent out, uh, that you're going to get back in February, right? The 300 and yeah. somewhat. So you won't know where those are going to go until you have them back and you see those grades. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that stuff will get wholesaled out. Okay. Uh, just because I don't, I don't really like. If it's much more like just low grade stuff, I can sit there and I can sell them one by one on eBay, mm -hmm. and I might make more than like two dollars extra after you know fees, yeah. shipping, etc. Yeah. So I'd rather yeah. just wholesale them out and skip all the effort and let somebody else make that two bucks, you know? Yeah, fair yeah. enough. And yeah. While we're talking about you know uh, outs for the graded coins, what kind of marketplaces are you looking at besides eBay? Uh, are there any kind of uh, convention style well, gatherings? Yeah. yeah, I mean, coin shows are real good. There's like a lot of uh, I would say, you know, you got small local coin shows. Those are the equivalent of like going to your uh, local guild store mm -hmm. and trading, except everybody's cool with using cash there and meeting up for cash it's a cash business it's yeah. not like cards where you know yeah. a store owner might get upset you know i can't walk into my queen store and sell a queen to somebody i have done that in the past but i always give the owner a cut in cash mm -hmm. just because they're yeah. providing the place to do it uh but generally speaking queens is uh very much online these days the wholesale stuff i'll probably just stick in a box and i'll ship it to nevada for the most part okay. that's my mean buy around nevada what are the known wholesalers like you know we have card kingdom star city games and alpha beta unlimited like is yeah. there a star city for coins there's a couple of them out there um there's upper syracuse on the east coast there in syracuse new york they will give you for uh untoned ms 63s they'll pay 41 dollars for for example so okay. it doesn't matter what date it is whatever, as long as it's a PCGS or NGC MS-63, they give you 41 bucks for it. So wow. they, they do exist in that in that level, but uh, you know, that is more for people who submit a lot of coins yep. and I don't really have the connections to be pulling in enough coins to get deep into that. I'm more focused okay. on the retail end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So, Okay. 
It's, it's pretty interesting as a whole because the resale market for graded cards and magic is pretty small. If it's not something high-end, it's something smaller. You've got to yeah. find somebody. It's still online, but you've either got to go through Facebook or some yeah. number of Discord channels trying to find somebody. You've basically got Bruso, and that's about it. Like graded magic, they're going to be the ones buying the chaff or Abu. Yeah. yeah. But besides that, you know, like it, this... I am never doing anything with this. This is a piece of plastic that is sitting on my desk and has been since Solemnity got spoiled because it was cheaper on Abu than an ungraded foil decree of silence. Yeah. But, you know, the the fact that there exists a market for the lower end, you know, chaff type stuff is that, like, do you think that boils down to market maturity or is that just something that's unique to coins that there's someone who collects everything or i I think it's more about market maturity the fact that you have uh people who can only collect the cheap stuff budget wise like when i started collecting queens i was only buying ms 63 million dollars and now i own like ms 67s which are much higher grade and much more expensive so i was initially focusing on like 50 dollar coins and so yeah and now those $50 queens aren't worth $50 anymore. They're worth like 40 now just because the market has continued to mature and it's just saturated. There's just so many of them out there. Mm-hmm. You know, like an MS-63 Morgan dollar is the equivalent of grading like a standard uncommon but still wow. being able to get a premium for it. Just, just wow. to put it into perspective, they made like 300 million Morgan dollars, I think. A lot of them. Yeah, and they melted. Yeah, they, they melted a lot of them but a lot of them never circulated. They were just sat in bags in the treasury vaults for like 80 years and yeah so they're all in real nice shape and you know people still buy them i i don't i don't really get it myself but i'll make money off of it you know yeah Yeah. there's a market for everything i guess so i guess that's that's what that comes down to but uh ending on the market maturity conversation is uh, a great idea for the end of our first segment and will bridge us into our second segment so stick with us for the next episode coming at you next week